1: Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
0: I'm a feminist, but recently at a show I told this story, this I'm a feminist, but, and it leads on to something. Um, I'm a feminist, but, so if you're listening to this at home and you're thinking, we've heard this one. No, you haven't. This is, this is a build-on, okay? This is the original I'm a feminist but I'm a feminist, but I found out when sleazy men check out or try to talk to my goddaughter, she loves telling them, I'm 13. She's, in fact, 13. It, because it freaks them out and they run away, so now I use it. Um, and so I, did, I just thought on the... Someone was like, ooh, so thick, or something, you know, just saying nice ass sort of thing. I was walking up an escalator and someone said nice ass on the tube. And I just thought, I could use this. Because yeah. I just love, I love the idea of these men, like, freaking out. So I just turned around and went, I'm 13. And he just didn't know what to do. He did not know what to do. Because I think he looked at me like, have you got some kind of aging disease? or Because some people do. There's a whole musical about a girl who's 13 but has an aging disease and looks older. And I, so he just was, like, freaked out. I told the audience last night and I said, could you please report back what happens? Thinking over the next month or so. Two people have already got back, and they are my next time of Feminist Butts, but you need to know what it is. The campaign is called I'm 13, but we need to rope 13-year-olds into it because if, if they don't know who's 13 and who isn't, it's going to be more confusing.
2: I, and I don't. Just, know how I ethical... can see some problems there. Okay, we'll discuss those problems in the next time a Feminist Butts. Do okay. yours first. Um, I'm a feminist, but I think men should always put up the camping equipment. I've no problem with that Yeah, I've I've got got no no, issue with that I
0: don't see that as not a feminist thing that is an erection
2: I don't need to help out in in any way shape or form
0: I don't listen thousands of years of patriarchy there's got to be some pushback on
2: that and they love
0: it you enjoy putting up camping equipment he does there you go it's all the proof we need yeah now there are a few PhD scientists in can you confirm that that's as much proof as I need to know that all men enjoy putting up camping equipment could you just confirm that if you're feminist you will Sorry, what was that? You need an N of three, at least. A, a three. We need three? Okay. Can I... Are two more men going to do the right thing for feminism? There. Well, I don't think you can't just and point there's at... one there. You can't just point at people anymore and say what their oh. gender is. You oh, can't okay. do that. Okay, so it, does anyone want to say, I'm a man and I enjoy putting up camping equipment? And you're do, if you would say it, you're doing it for feminism. Okay. To pop-up tents count. To pop-up tents count. Yes, we will accept those. Yes. <laughs> pop-up tents do count. Yes. Oh! Just had one person say, I am a man and I adore putting up camping equipment.
2: I but, instantly became moist. Yeah, but it sounded like an innuendo, didn't it? The way he said it. He said it in a very, very sexual way. Very sexual way, yeah. very sexual way. I
0: adore. Um, adore, adore. Putting um, up tents. And tense. I've, we've also got to pop up tents count. That doesn't sound like I am a man and I like putting up camping equipment. <laughs> it's just like a curmudgeonly. What pop up tents? Where are you? Do you like putting up pop up tents? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay.
2: He's never been camping in his life. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to help out feminism. He's trying to alpha it up just to try and balance out the old man who gets turned on by tents. No, he's he's like, like, on, I'm pretty good with the old these tent, tent action. Poor
0: men, we've asked them to contribute and they're contributing. We cannot now mock them. Well, we can, but we shouldn't. <laughs> We shouldn't. Anybody else? Any other men would be prepared to chip in? I'm a man and I enjoy putting upcoming equipment. Hey Okay. Are the scientists in the room now happy? Yeah. Are they all? No, Rhea Lina's not happy, but Rialina we're doing this for feminism.
2: Okay. Why do you okay. like putting up tents, Rhea? No, no, I'm just saying you can't keep going till the science gives you the answer you want. You can't keep saying, you know, like we kept uh. going. Oh, okay,
0: yeah. Rialina is saying you can't keep going until you get the answers you want because that's psychology. That's not science. <laughs> uh, I've added the last part about psychology, but I think it is true. In psychology, you keep going until you get the answers you want. As in, s- someone with a D in
2: GCSE maths, I think you'll find excellent, excellent. All right, we we'll can listen. do. We've done we the want. best that we can do.
0: Okay, all right. I'm going to do one. I'm a feminist, but because of my incredible I'm 13 experiment, which is obviously morally dubious. I have two pieces of feedback from women who last night, on their way home, uh, had an experience and contacted me. One woman said she was catcalled and she said to the man, I'm 13. (laughs) And the man said, I'm so sorry, please don't report me. (laughs) How old was she? I think 35, around that age, by the sound (laughs) of it. Um, that's mental. And another man... Another man was just sort of doing, I think, quite a, slight, a sleazy hit-on on public transport where you can't get away. And uh, this woman said she was 28, and she said, I held my head really still, and I just looked at him and went, I'm 13. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> but got off at the next stop and ran away really fast. <laughs>
2: Can we do it for loads of stuff, like go to a bar and when they serve you, just go, how dare you, I'm 13. Well, I want drinks, so I don't want to use okay, it Okay, that fine. one. No, no, no.
0: I can't believe I've got two already. I only said it last night. Two. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm a feminist. Lust for lies. But I really hope that I get catcalled on the way home tonight just so I can do it. Because <laughs> I really, I just want to try the experiment now. Is that terrible? But I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of walking down the street going, go on, go on, try it. Go on, try it, because I'm 13. It's like, it's so absurd. It's so absurd, but I can see why it works. I can see why it works. Could I'm, you like, not go. have
2: like different variations of just like different things you could say? So, like, maybe, you know, get people to try out three or four. Well, we could, have you got any others? No. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll workshop some others. Have you got any more I'm a Feminist parts? Uh, I'm a Feminist, but I really, really can't put up pictures. <laughs> I, I have think... to use those sticky things if I want. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I can't drill the. No. No. I We're can, back I to I the old tent issue again, aren't we? Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't really want to ask the men in the audience if they enjoy drilling. <laughs> so I feel it already, this show has got too much sexual innuendo in it. Have you got any more I'm a feminist
2: pubs? Um, I'm a feminist, I feel like they're all based around the same theme. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I really fucking hate um, barbecues. Yeah. What a shit meal. It's just shit. Just meat. And tongs. I get it. And men love it, don't they? They love it. They love the tents and the barbecues and the tongs. Can Mm. you tell I've just come back from camping and I'm fucked off about it? Oh,
0: I see I didn't put up any
2: pictures, though, in the tent. I was going to
0: say, how does putting up pictures come into camping?
2: I just like to be really at home. Live from Soho Theatre in London,
0: The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Frances slide? Yes, to host Estamonita. And our very special guest, Rialina, Lina, talking about news life balance. Hello, 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 hello. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we are doing feminism on a Saturday night. Like, like real feminists. There are feminists out. People that are, oh yeah, I'm feminist on a Monday morning, but where are they now, in the pub? That's where they fucking are. They're not out here. Here you are doing feminism with a drink in your hand. That's right. You're smashing the patriarchy on a Saturday night. No rest for the well-intentioned. That's what I say. Just give us a cheer if you listen to The Guilty Feminist. Woo! Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Woo! Now, notice that your cheer sounds less empowered. <laughs> less feminist, if you will. Um, were you brought here tonight? Who brought you? Amar, are you in Amar? I don't want to pry. Are you you on a date? Oh. Well, let's find out. The rest of you can leave, to be honest. This is all I'm interested in now. So you're with Amar, but you're not sure if it's a date. Oh, What what is a date? Got a great question, Amar. Um, no, we've just all been in this situation, haven't we? Where we're th- on a thing and we don't know if it's a date. I'll just give us to you, if you've been on a situation where you're like, is this a date? Or is this just a friend thing? Or did he, did, he, did, he, did he... Okay, Amar, we've all been in this state of lack of clarity before and we've all struggled with it. Our catharsis will come in knowing <laughs> on behalf of Valeria, is this a date? <laughs> uh, Amar also doesn't know if it's a date. That's not what they wanted to hear, Amar. I think that's an unpopular answer. Is there a right answer? I mean, yeah. Even a man said yes. Even a man said yes, there's a right answer there, Amar. No, listen, Amar, this is not for us to pry. What do you do for a living, Amar? You're an extra in TV and films. Excellent, um, Valeria. What do you do? Trying to be a musician. Trying to be a musician. Okay. It well, no. The thing is, um, <laughs> I make the music, but I don't, I don't get. You you make the music. Yes, yes. Well, then you are a musician. Okay. I'm going to ask you, what do you do? And I'd like you to answer me, pretending you're a man who's half as good as you. Okay. <laughs> What do do, do you do, Valeria? I'm the sickest producer ever made. There you go, there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, listen, I wish you well on whatever this situation ship is or isn't. I wish you very well. Amar, do you listen to the show? You do. You do. And you thought Valeria would enjoy it, and so you invited her along. Well, thank you for doing that, whatever your other motivations are. Now, I... The number of third dates that come to this show where the man's booked it, I've discovered it's a real pattern over the years. I'm not saying that's your situation, Amar. I'm not saying... I do, really don't think it is. I really don't think it is. Let's just pretend Amar and Valeria are living their own lives now and none of our business anymore because I don't want to put them under pressure because Amar likes the show or, ha- or has up until now. So much so, he's brought someone and sat in the front row and now he's thinking, I'm a feminist, but I'll never be fucking listening to this again. Uh, LAUGHTER Poor Amar, poor Amar. All he's doing is getting about his life. He doesn't want to be interrogated by me. But it was so difficult not to, and so I decided to do it. Now, just uh, just give us a cheer if you think you've got a feminist job. I know that more people do, because I know who my audience are. I'll tell you exactly who my audience are. There are three, three groups. Uh, my audience are the people with a very feminist job, um, like, I don't know, they work in, with refugees, they work in literacy, they work in something specific, uh, an industry or a, um, some kind of social services that make life better in terms of gender equality. Or there's a second group where they do something sort of generally make the world better. They work in climate change, NHS teaching, something like that. Or uh, there are people doing a PhD about Virginia Woolf. <laughs> that's true. I'm not making that up. Just give us here if you're doing a PhD about Virginia Woolf. No, well, that's the first time that's ever happened <laughs> who's doing a phd though Me. yes of course There's... i've never not had someone doing a phd in my audience never not never not and there'll be more people just give it to you if you've got a phd Woo-hoo! yeah <laughs> go to a ricky gervais show ask that question <laughs> and i'll tell you 90 percent of his audience won't know what a phd is am i am i ro- i'm not wrong i'm not wrong i'm not saying clever people don't like ricky gervais I'm just saying they're in the <coughs> vast minority. Um, person doing the PhD, what's your doctorate in? Biology. Biology. So you're a woman in STEM? Yes. i don't wanna, sorry, I don't want to impose gender on you. Are you a woman in STEM? Yes. You are a woman in STEM? But the PhDs always have a really long title, the dissertations. What's yours? Okay. Um, so normally, I, I if I ask that question because I have a lot of PhDs in, I probe a bit further. Um, but I can see there's absolutely no point. Uh, it's thank you for being so clever and solving things. You're solving something to a salmonella. Is that is that the idea? Not anymore. Not anymore. What's happened? Have you discovered you can't? Okay. You're working with antibodies. What are you curing ultimately? Cancer. Cancer. So you're literally curing cancer. Am I wrong? And when I said who's got a feminist job, hardly anyone said woo. But as it turns out, other PhDs, what's your PhD in? Yes? Herpes viruses. Herpes? Okay. Now, Rhea, you're our guest today. And I obviously want to big my guest up and make her feel very important. And I, I feel embarrassed now because... Your PhD is in herpes, and I've just found someone who's curing cancer. <laughs> and I find that awkward for you. And I'm sorry. But it's also, herpes is also important. It's also important.
1: So herpes viruses are used as viral vectors to solve and cure things like cancer. There you
0: go. Two cancer curers. There we go. Two people curing cancer. Well saved, Rialina. Rialina, our guest today. And uh, she's currently... But you've left Curing Cancer to do comedy, haven't you? In, yeah. am Keep the fight going wherever you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The torch. yeah. <laughs> if you're listening at home, Lena said, keep the fight going, here's the torch. But from a front row position of utter glamour. Um, who else thinks, who thinks they've got a more feminist job than Curing Cancer? Just give us a cheer. No, okay. All right. Who thinks they've got somewhat of a feminist job? Just give us a cheer. Yes? What's yours? Uh, I'm an architectural technologist. It's like an architect, but more technical. I have to work with a lot of builders. Oh, so you have to go in and tell builders what to do?
2: Yeah, and often (laughs) when I walk in, they're not expecting it.
0: (laughs) What are they expecting? Just not me. (laughs) You're a young woman and they're not expecting it. How do you deal with it? What are your strategies? I just tell them, well, the drawings you're looking at there, I did those. Do they respond with respect? There's an element of surprise, always. <laughs> but do you win them over? If eventually, yeah. Well, you're doing the Lord's work. Uh, what's your name? Zoe. Zoe. Big round of applause for Zoe, everybody. <laughs> Does anyone think they have an unfeminist job? An unfeminist job? Mm. Yes, what's yours? I'm a menswear designer. A men's wear designer. <laughs> so fashion... But leaving us right out of it. Listen, I sort of think that could be good. Do you ever do stealth feminism? Because I I would come in with sort of plunging necklines and shapewear within the trousers, that kind of thing. The things we are... Just sort of make a really new trend of like cripplingly painful shoes, things like that. have, Have you ever done anything like that? I would say just like making men dress better every day. Making men dress better every day, just as a service. Listen, my porn is a man in a well-cut suit. So as far as I'm concerned, you are doing a lot for feminism. I, there are some things I need to get what I get done done. And what's your brand? Can you say? A big company in the UK. Okay, so you don't particularly want to advertise them. I don't want to say. You don't want to say. What, is, it, <laughs> is it one of the ones where you go, people might go Boo oh okay you just let's just keep private let's get back to YouTube. we we're on date uh, I get it well listen thank you for doing men in well cut suits that's came out wrong but you know what I mean are we ready to start the show? uh my co-pilot for this evening is an incredible comedian. She is on here nightly at the Soho Theatre, including she's doing a show upstairs in the Soho Theatre later tonight. Please put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Esther Manito. Hey! Um, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Great, okay. End good. of that. <laughs> This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. And today we are talking about news life balance and how we balance so much news and how we feel about it as feminists and activists and just people who care about the world and also how we balance our own home life and how often you can feel guilty about one or the other. Um, Would you like to do some stand-up comedy? All right then. Would you like to see some stand-up comedy? Please welcome to the stage the incredible
2: surprise. Um, I I love Soho audiences. I particularly love uh, audiences of guilty feminists. But I will be completely honest, I've just spent five weeks on summer holidays with my kids. So even if Deborah asked me to do stand up out the back of majestic wines behind a bin, I'd fucking be there. That's how desperate I am to be out the house. Because I've come to a little realization over the last few weeks, I've come to really kind of get to know, you know, how I feel about family life. And I've come to realise that me and my husband and our two kids, (gasps) we're all just better off as friends. I don't really want to be involved anymore. Honestly, if we could just set up a WhatsApp group and I could just mute it, that's the kind of level of involvement I want with my own family. Can you give me a cheer if you've got kids? And just for my own little workings out, just for my own little calculations, can you give me a cheer if you don't have kids? See, they're just happier, aren't they? <laughs> they're just happier. They really are. Because, you know, think about it. All those people that cheered the second time, you're all people that have got money, right? You're all people with savings accounts. You're all people that have slept. You're people that have never been woken up at 4 a.m. with a small person stood over you going, Mum, what's the difference between a crane and a digger? <laughs> I don't know, my darling. I'm so blessed. I'm very blessed. Very blessed to have you. It's 4 a.m., my God. Very blessed. And I'm like, no, let's be more honest about what happens when you have children. There are little things that nobody warns you about. Like, nobody tells you before you have kids. that the moment you have kids, you're going to be stalked in your own house. Nobody tells you about that, right? Especially if you have boys, right? I tell you what, every single bloke in here, when you were little, you stalked your mum, right? You were stalkery. I'll be sat in my house, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, I just feel this little stalkery presence. It's just creeping up on me. And it's my lad, and he'll just come up and stand in front of me and just make intense eye contact. And he's just there going, I love you. <laughs> One day. I'm like, baby, I love you too, but is there any way you can get off my lap and let me take a shit in peace? (laughs) Honestly, because they don't leave you alone. They're so fucking stalkery. So over the holidays, I literally, I just shove my kids on iPads, right? My other half, just stick him on BBC Sport. And I'm like, right, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to have a shower just to be alone, just to be by myself. And as I'm standing there in the shower, just relaxing, having a minute to myself, all of a sudden, through the steam, <laughs> I just see that handle slowly turning, <laughs> and all I hear is Ma, 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 ma,
1: ma, 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 ma,
2: Mummy, 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 mummy. And then my husband pops up from behind the children. He's like, hey, you're in the shower. Shall I join you? Fuck off!
1: Leave me alone.
2: Honestly, it sends you mad. And the thing is, is I'm the mother of a son, right? I give it the large on stage, slagging them off. We're psychotic. Mothers of sons are mental, right? I thought before I had my boy, I was like, I'm going to be such a feminist. And I'm going to raise him to be a feminist. No, I'm ruining him. I'm destroying him. I'm overbearing. My God, I know for a fact that me and my son were going to end up like those creepy mother-son combos you see walking around Aldi. <laughs> I'll be... <laughs> I'll be 80, he'll be 45 with a big gut and a comb over and I'll just be behind him pushing the trolley going, you like your beans, don't you, darling? Yes, yes. No, don't text that girl back, she's a slag. You just... You just stay with me, yes. Meanwhile, my daughter, who hasn't been overly coddled, she'll probably go off and work for the UN and I'll just be at home with my giant son, just sat there going, I've laid your pants out for you, nice. <laughs> You stay with me, my God. And I had a woman, right, after, I, after I did that joke on stage, a woman, she got in contact with me and she said, I have a son and a daughter and I think of them both equally. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? I think of my children equally. I really think of them equally. In fact, I've just come back from a week's camping, which FYI is not a fucking holiday. It's just being a medieval maid in a field, right? <laughs> <laughs> And I've come to the conclusion I think of them both completely equally. I hate them both. (laughs) My God. Honestly. It's amazing, though. It's amazing the things that people will say to you when you're a woman who does stand-up, especially when you're a mum. Fucking hell, the amount of times I've had people come up to me. I had someone come up to me and she's like, any good, your husband? Any good?
1: Any good?
2: Looking after his own children isn't he good while you're out there every night on a stage like a slut <laughs> and I kid you not word for word that was my mother-in-law so <laughs> uh, thank you very much guys you've been lovely
0: to everybody Hello, guilty feminist. This is Deborah. I'll be in Chichester because I've written a play called Never Have I Ever, which will be on in Chichester at the Minerva for the whole of September. It stars Alexandra Roach, Amit Shah, Greg Wise, and our very own Susan McComa. And it's about money, sex, power, politics, and running a restaurant. For tickets, go to cft.org.uk. That's cft.org.uk. And we'll be recording more live shows in the autumn so keep an eye on our website guiltyfeminist.com live shows. You can get ad-free episodes via Patreon, Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus. And if you're passing iTunes or Spotify, and you felt like leaving us a five-star review, we'd love you forever. It helps other people find the show. And now back to the podcast. Are we ready for our guest? <laughs> I love British audiences. If you asked that in America, if you said to an American audience, are we ready for our guest, they would immediately just go, a ah, British audience would go, let me think about it. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'd like to see the guest. We don't want to go ballistic over it.
2: I've um, just come back from performing in America and yeah. there's a joke that I do, which always works well here. It's a joke about how I've killed my husband. And um, <laughs> see, right, and you guys laugh, but like, when I did it in America, every time I did it, they'd all go, uh, and I was like, he's clearly not. I'm not going to murder him and then joke about it on stage and go about like that. No, it's one or the other. That well, isn't it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> hiding in plain sight. Yeah. You never see him. There, it's a very different thing
0: performing in America. It really, really is. But the whoops are. Oh, it's lovely. amazing. It's a lovely, it's yeah. lovely whooping. Yeah. Um, not that you're not doing well. I mean, for a British audience, you're whooping quite nicely.
2: We're just saying between the two.
0: Yeah. Oh no, no. If we compared you with an American audience, no. Any Americans in? No. Yeah, I know for a sh- certainty there aren't because if there had been, they would have gone. Woo. Yeah. Um, okay. Our guest today is the only Filipina comedian in British stand-up and has a Bachelor of Science in Experimental Pathology and a Master of Science in Forensic Science and a PhD in Virology under her belt. So it's not only her comedy that's highly intelligent. A Friday night topical comedy show, United Nations of News, aired on BBC Radio 4 in August and is available on BBC Sounds. Please welcome to the stage, the incredible Rhea Lena! Rhea, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's delightful to have you here. So we wanted to talk about how we balance our lives and the news, because it's something I struggle with all the time. Does anyone else feel this, that it's like, I'm not doing enough, or, and sometimes I just can't look at another thing? Like, do you ever have a news story where you go, I can't take that on? I can't know about that. Does, he, does anyone have that? where well, I have to scroll at a certain thing, because I just go, I just can't know, because I, knowing and not being able to do anything about it is actually causing so much anxiety in my body. Do people relate to this? Like, yeah. we want to be activists, we want to be feminists, we want to engage, we want to try... And at the same time, there's too much happening. And like, how do you hold it? What do you do with it? How do you not, if you just withdraw and you'd look away entirely, you feel like, oh, I, I'm someone who doesn't care. And if you look at it too much, you feel so weighed down by it and you think, what can I do? So Ria, how do you cope with this balance? Because you're clearly, you're doing a topical news show. You're clearly somebody who, is, uh, who cares because you wouldn't be doing the show if you didn't care and you wouldn't be you know, hard to do the show if you weren't someone who was very uh,
1: engaged with the news. How do you cope with this? I, well, I think, first of all, one of the lucky things about doing topical comedy shows is that we do avoid the really, the, mm. the, the, the stories you can't joke about. Yeah, We do automatically park those to one side. So I don't think that I've ever, in the last 18 months, for example, done a single topical comedy show where we've talked about what's happening in Ukraine. Yeah, which again makes me feel guilty. Even now, I feel guilty. You know, um, I follow a number of journalists, and and today on one of their uh, stories, they just went. We went to this place. It got attacked. This is what it looks like now. And then on his story, he went hashtag Don't forget Ukraine. And it's exactly this that we're talking about. That because it becomes this constant sort of noise, you you end up shutting it off. And then when it does remind you, you feel hugely guilty. About it, and the only thing I can do to counterbalance that is—is is I have I have sons as well, and, and so uh, the biggest counterbalance I do when I'm feeling guilty about not addressing a bigger issue in the world is I turn around and go, "Be better men than your father," um, and that, that's it. you can love your father, but don't be like him. That is my party line you can love him but don't be like him. And then I turn around and I just go, all I can do is make the people I've made like better in the world. Like it's all I can control or or like go through the recycling and make sure it's, you know, washed. You you, you know so that they actually recycle it. You, it's just little things. You just sort of go, oh, I can't deal with that, so I'm going to do something small. Mm. Yeah. Like that.
0: But the desire to a topical news show is that in part because I listen to it, it's very funny. And is, it, is that in part to engage people with the news who might otherwise not engage?
1: Ideally, yes. And I think that actually there was a huge sway of people that said that they got their news regularly from Mock the Week. And then, you know, their aunts and uncles got it from Have I Got News For You? Because it's very generational, isn't it? But yeah, but I, think, I think that's the important thing. And United Nations of News, what we did is we specifically took international comedians. So we talked about an issue in the UK, uh, which, you know, um, I mean... I won't say what all the jokes, but we talked about climate change, which is exactly one of those subjects which is so huge and so difficult for us to encompass that actually we're not actually we're actually not having the conversation about it, or we talk about it, but we're not doing anything about it. Every year we have a cop somewhere in the world, and a whole bunch of politicians get together and go, "Oh yes, 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 we promise things, we promise things, and then they go away and just go i don't know how to, don't know how to do the problem we'll just m- move e- economy you less uh, something else um oh, I've had another baby. Um, is it mine? Yes. <laughs> and so is that other one that you won't own up to. So we took those four comedians and then we said, but what's happening where you are? Because that's the other thing is that we end up so focused. One of the fascinating things that you were talking about traveling in the States, one of the amazing things that blows my mind when I go to the States is when you switch on the news in whichever state you're in, the news is only about like a radius within the state that you're in, because it's so vast as a country that they cannot possibly encompass all of the things that are happening happening in their state, let alone in the country, let alone in the rest of the world and we're, and we can get like that we get very focused on what's happening to us locally and that's understandable and so this show is sort of like well let's help you know let's help assuage that guilt and and make and go well here's something that's happening you know in In Malawi, because we had Deliso on. Or, you know, here's something happening in Spain, because we had Ignacio Lopez on, and they brought us little bits of news from where they're at, uh, which was really fun. Um, And I know a lot more about um, the Spanish political system than I ever thought I would. Mm.
0: I think comedy can be such a great way of breaking down our barrier to engage with something. Like, when I watch John Oliver, I'm like, I've learned so much from John Oliver, because... The jokes make it palatable enough, but he is so good at switching gears between something really being serious and terrible. And then he does a joke that still respects the work or respects the the topic. And it just means you can get through it, but you learn a lot from doing that kind of thing. Do you think if you get to do more episodes of this, you might go deeper in a John Oliver style fashion? Like what, what do you want to do with the show?
1: It's like you opened my head and read my dreams. I love the Daily Show, what John Stewart did with it, and then the mantle that John Oliver picked up after him. I would love to do all of that. I would love to be able to to go deep. I mean, my dream is just a room full of researchers working for me. I'm just like, yes, please, <laughs> please let's look all of this up and then and then present it in a very palatable way. I think that's that, and that's something that came from you know you mentioned all of my degrees. Thank you, <laughs> all of them. I forgot I had some of those because um, <laughs> I don't use them. Um, anywhere near as much as I should but one of the things that I learned from doing that is science communication and one of the things that science communication is that I love is taking complex concepts and then helping people understand them I think that's one of the advantages or one of the privileges of education is to be able to go okay listen I've done this so you don't have to but here let me let me pass that on let me spread that out and I love that aspect of the job and I think for the I'd love to be able to do that for the news the way that John Oliver does that
0: uh, I very much hope you get to do more, but I'm glad you've done what you've done so far and uh, I, I really enjoyed listening to it. I liked I liked the perspective of so many different international comedians and uh, it made me feel less like I was listening to global news from the source of the BBC or, you know, a, a British news source. It made it feel like I was getting different perspectives from around the world and also learning about new news stories. Esther, how do you feel about the news well,
2: <clears throat> I think that my problem with news and news consumption is the fact that I've got a real scroll culture going on. And I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I will scroll news. Mm. And I think that has created a real problem in that I have an idea of different things, but I, it doesn't allow me to ever get a real... De- like. When you're saying making it more digestible, I think that's a good thing because I think now the way we access news, it isn't the same as reading a newspaper or listening to a news broadcast. We're now scrolling and we've got, you know, social media. And so we're kind of just accessing all these kind of little tidbits all the time. So it can, I mean, I remember during during COVID, I felt like I was actually going insane. But like I genuinely was sat there going, I am, you're, you're having so many different arguments and opinions and that really clogs what news is coming across. So you kind of find yourself just going, I'm just going a bit mad here. Mm. Might just be because I don't have 12 degrees.
1: No, no, I feel the same way. <laughs> no, I, but I no, really nobody don't. can know
2: everything that has to be known now. Growing up in a, in a mixed heritage household, because my dad's Lebanese, and then Lebanese politics is the most fucking complicated thing. Honestly, if you put a gun to my head, which could very well happen in Lebanon, I still cannot understand the Lebanese um, like the, the structure of, of government, it is so complicated. And so I've I then spent most of my like early 20s really trying to understand Lebanese politics. And then I got to a point where I was like, I, I, I don't think I can comprehend the two political systems on the same kind of depth. So I found a lot of my youth was like more kind of focused in one area. Mm. And, um, and it has made me a little bit more disconnected, I think, from UK politics. I don't know why, I've just gone down the politics route, but that definitely...
0: Yeah, I understand. No, because it's part of it. If we don't understand how the political system works, how can we know what levers to try and push to change it? I think understanding our political system is huge.
1: But that's why I'm so grateful to everyone who is an activist because, you know... We're living in a world of extremes right now. We're living in a place where people seem to be falling either on one side of a coin or the other, and there's no gray area in between. But one of the advantages of having your extreme activists is that they pull people in different directions, and they also they go further than any of us ever realistically can with every pressure that we have in our life. And I think we have to be grateful to them for you know if they glue themselves to the floor or whether they're making you know. very incredibly biased documentaries about what is a woman or all of the things that they do at the extreme edges. But that's what allows the rest of us to do a little bit in that direction more than we otherwise would. And I think that's an important thing to remember is that it is the extremists that pull us in various directions and that's where we're... I will say evolution happens as opposed to the word progress because evolution is non-directional, and I think that's important to remember. Uh, is say that, that again. Evolution, evolution is, non-directional. is non-directional. What does that mean? So everyone thinks that we use the term in, in colloquial language that to be evolved is to be better than what we were before, but that's not actually how evolution works. Evolution just works; it, it's in response to pressure, and pressure can. So, for example. Um, Uh, moths. There were moths that before the industrial revolution used to be, uh, the color of tree barks. But then as the industrial revolution came in and trees started to get covered in soot and surfaces started to become more black and gray, they changed from a Brown color to a gray color. Uh, in that any brown moth was getting eaten because it could be seen, and all of those that were slightly gray or darker were not being seen because they were blending into the new industrial background. And over time, those moths evolved to be a different color. Now, that's not better. It just happened that in that environment at the time, they survived uh, more efficiently. So in science, evolution isn't, oh, we are better now than we ever were, because I would argue, actually, right now, we're getting shorter again as a human race. Uh, we, We got to a point where we were sort of at peak... (laughs) <laughs> Do you, you don't mean by height height <laughs> you know height we're starting well because what's happening is, so there was a point sorry am <laughs> I the only one who didn't know that we're getting yes yeah, so <laughs> they're we, like oh well they we, should have clicked know on the story Esther well, sorry but, human beings are getting shorter we're getting well, we shorter got we got taller we, and now we're getting shorter we're getting, so we well, used to all just, be taller than our parents but actually now we're starting to see generations that are shorter than their well, parents at some point
0: that's got to level off
1: because otherwise we'd end up like t- as tall as trees well, I mean, have you watched basketball? People can get very tall.
0: Yeah, no, I know, but you, everyone can can't be as tall. tall as the tallest basketball.
1: This is true, but the reason that we're starting to, to get shorter is because, as you know, well, a we we farm so much that a lot of the nutritional value, the individual nutritional value of a tomato, is not what it was a hundred years ago. Right. But secondly, we're eating so much processed food mm. that we're also starting to see the effects of that we're seeing. You know, we see the effects of that on even like um, sperm numbers you know mm-hmm. sperm rates have gone down drastically in the last so so so, so we are sorry, evolving when you say
0: sperm rates have gone down you mean
1: per per teaspoon
2: but, are you having a good day certainly.
1: let's talk about sperm sperm i mean please still use contraception be, you know be safe but um so for your
2: tiny babies so <laughs> hold
0: on a second you in a teaspoon of product Product. Product. yeah, sure. Product. There are fewer swimmers. There are fewer swimmers. Okay, in every, and that's because of processed food. That's because well, we eat we're string just cheese. Generally, whatever, like. in
1: terms of, of of what we're being exposed to, in terms of pollutants, in terms of uh, you know our, our, our poor diets and everything else, we are it's it's an accumulative effect. So we're getting shorter of our environment. and shorter, and there'll be and and there's fewer of, of us. Well, well, well okay. But, now we're but, getting really sciencey. Guilty but,
0: feminist does but, science. Okay, but hold on, hold on, hold on. People are still getting pregnant, so like we've there's way more sperm than anyone needs, isn't there? Like there's so many more swimmers. Like when you think about how many swimmers a man will ejaculate in a lifetime, mm-hmm. somebody just went. Ugh. Okay, but
1: it's not. It, okay, but it, it, it's most
0: <laughs> most people. We'll only have one, two, or three babies, or none. They're going to say
2: one, two, or three sperm. I was like, Jesus no,
0: Christ! No, that too. <laughs> so actually, you, we, and men have thousands of swimmers, don't they?
1: So, yeah, but it swim- isn't, it's not just how many; it's also the quality thereof. They're not always making it um, well, to. They're to not the making head. their own. They're not making. No, they're not like the, is that, the sperm are not you always making ca- it can you to the it? egg. Oh, I we'll see. The swimmers are like,
0: poor swimmers. Yes. Yeah. You
1: know, no.
2: in because you were talking briefly about just like that, but is that true? Then you know, when Harry he. He, oh, yeah. yes. you know when he has an orgasm but nothing mm. comes out
1: so what are
0: the, we talking about? okay <laughs> the <laughs> I'm the sex, Harry. So <laughs> the sex of the city reboot is called and just like that I am and so, and so loving
1: that this is on the guilty feminist of course the sex in the city reboot
0: and, and so we call it the reheal but it, it's it's the, the he, when he, uh, one of the characters ejaculates okay, right don't know why I did the action he, he he has what they call a dust bowl which means there's no product <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, and so he ejaculates. Did he, he, did ejaculates, he, wait, did comes he have a vasectomy? Because there's no, no product after no. A vasectomy. No, no. He, they. I mean, there's
0: liquid. They but went to the no. doctor, and the doctor gave him something to do, so it started happening again. But apparently, this can happen to men. But he was in his fifties, and they said it happens sometimes when you get older. I Should feel we like we veered away
1: from our main topic. Quick.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, how have we ended up talking about ejaculating? But that's a great point. It's a great. No, so, no, so I'm sorry. sorry. I'm so back to you, this, I'm just
1: saying. Remember that evolution is not necessarily progress. Is what I meant. Yes. Okay, that's, wh- so that's where
0: we came from. I hear that. I hear that. So sometimes we are going forward and we are changing, but not in the right direction. So, for example, yes. we're getting shorter and... Sperma swimming poorly.
1: Well, actually, for example, we're becoming less able to rationally debate things mm-hmm. as uh, the internet, for example, gave everybody uh, the belief that their opinion mattered as much as everyone else's. And I'm not saying it doesn't. Uh, but What I'm saying is, is that the consequence of everybody having equal voice means that now we're at a point where we go, well, no, that is, that is my opinion or that is my belief and I don't need to change that no matter what is but put in front of me.
2: Don't yes. you think that's also the internet, though? because we're not having conversations face to face it's so easy to write something with sheer aggression and then someone responds and you're just having this really aggressive interaction Mm. if you have that conversation I think if you sit down with most people you can have a rational conversation I don't think that's possible online if you have, if you start off from two well, opposing i
1: I agree I think I think the internet started something and mm. I think that is now spilling over into a rife I mean as a comedian, one of the things that we we've discovered coming back and in theater actually coming back after the pandemic is that more and more people are piping up in shows um you know so you know generally you have you have a contract Not if to speak to you. No, but no, but if we speak to Talk you, you baby. speak back. But 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 just you know, a lot of them are are calling out or heckling or speaking up, and a lot of the times it's literally just they say a comment, and we go, this isn't YouTube. We're not like commenting under the video as it mm. happens, but because of because we spent three years indoors all commenting under people's mm. under people's content, it's now moved itself into the live theater space, mm. and people are doing the same thing. I had to. But, be, if anyone's commented tonight, by the way, I have encouraged it. So that's not. She's not talking about you. And I, and I love your comments. I love the fact that a man adores putting tents up. They don't have doors. I mean, oh. that's like classically a tent has no doors. But he adores. No, it. they do have doors. Well, oh no, they have well, flaps. zip doors, flaps. This is why we don't. That's why women don't. I don't put know them why. Up. <laughs> we that's have enough so flaps. I don't need more flaps. flaps? <laughs> let's,
0: <laughs> get, let's not get into flaps now. <laughs>
2: Now, it's me isn't it I'm now. bringing everything down it's you, you you're you the problem it's you now <laughs> that's what everyone says no but can I just just in response yeah. to that I did, I did this routine about how um, ball bags aren't particularly attractive and I was doing it right and let's face it they do look like the next skin of a walrus and I was like Wah. and um, this guy really angrily in the audience he just went but my girlfriend loves mine <laughs> And you're just like, where do you think we are? And his girlfriend was just next to him. Like, I cannot believe you've just shouted that out. And he wasn't doing it in a, I want to argue with you. He just wanted to comment comment. onto the YouTube. Yeah, Yeah, onto YouTube. I I think that... his poor girlfriend.
0: I think (laughs) you're right about the internet spilling into life. I agree with you that mostly when you talk to someone face-to-face, you can have a Mm. conversation where you can say, well, have you thought about it like this? And you can get somebody to empathise and you can empathise with their point of view. And the internet has polarised us horrifyingly. And I also think now sometimes it's harder to have conversations in real life mm. because people are uh, fixed to a position. And it is something that I think we need to start uh, looking at. And I wonder if it is something where we need to have more discussions around the news. And if I wonder if there's something about having a place and a time for it almost, like having a space where we could discuss things because I think part of it is, I mean, people sometimes say to me, oh, well, I wouldn't say this online, you know, I wouldn't be able to say this, but just between and you and me. you're shit you
1: most of the time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, mean, you know, because it's so easy to sit there behind your egg emoji mm. thing and just say whatever it is that you're feeling behind your you computer mean, because you're not being. When you sit behind your egg. Well, you know like, what? What's, what's that? you from Apple. Apple. Yeah, I know. No, you no profile picture. Yeah, you yeah. no it's profile pretty, picture yeah. to say stuff. It's much harder when you have to actually author your own opinions with your face. Yes, yes. And I think people would
0: hardly ever say the aggressive things and the mean things that they say or the abusive things that they say online. To somebody's face, I think hardly ever, and uh, I'm not saying never, but, but I am saying.
1: And if they do, ever. you just reply, "I'm 13," <laughs> <laughs> which is the legal age to be on Facebook. Randomly, uh,
0: <laughs> um, when you're doing the Radio Four show, the um, the United Nations of comedy. Do you get so steeped in the news that you sometimes need to take a break from it because you're so overwhelmed by how many different stories you now do know about?
1: There is that, with any topical show, there is that process right at the beginning of the week because with a topical show, you're going to be recording it on say a Thursday, and it goes out on a Friday. So you you are only looking at a concentration of five days' worth of news because, in theory, the week before they covered everything up to that point. And then you're looking at the entire thing going, I can't possibly read and take this all on board. And then you get lost down rabbit holes, and, that it's, you know, and then you end up... So you end up learning a lot in one week about what happened in that week, most of which you don't end up doing on the show. Um, and then there are other things like, you know, we had Ignacio Lopez from Spain, and they just had an election... And so I had to then cram up on, on the significant... I mean, think about how much we talk about British politics and the nuances of you know, Keir Starmer and, and the blue wall and all, the, all those little terms that we just know from talking about it a little bit in the pub once in a while. Now, I had to do all of that for the Spanish election and try and get my head around that. And it ended up being one joke. Mm. <laughs> Which I, I, I can't I, even remember if it made it to the... Did it make it? I... The- I uh, yes yeah we did I, we
0: did one joke yeah i worry about our heads and uh recently a friend of mine uh collapsed because she was overworked and um dehydrated and i had it this week that i've been really really overworked more than i ever have in my life and night and it, good things that i love i'm having time in my life it's amazing but mm. i worry about two things one is the more i do creative pursuits i'm doing a play at the moment and i'm working on other writing projects the more i go i should be doing more activism i should be doing more feminism and uh, the other day, I got up in the morning to do personal training on Zoom because I have to exercise a lot if I'm working really hard or I just can't do it to get the energy. And the personal trainer said, can you pick up the weights? And, um, and I felt this searing pain going through my head, like a knife going through my head. But only when I moved and I went, oh, this is happening. And he went, I said, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not going to be able to like, open. I always have this great fear. Jonathan Larson, does anyone know Jonathan Larson? He wrote Rent. And it, he'd been trying to write musicals for years and then he wrote Rent and he died of an aneurysm on the day of the first preview, so he never even got to see a preview. And then it was this, like, iconic show and he's such a loss to musical theatre. Is it tick, theater. tick, Tick, was it Tick, right. Tick? That's right. Tick, Tick, Boom yeah. is the Go story tick, tick, of Jonathan boom. Larson Spider-Man told through his him. one-man show, played by Andrew Garfield, et cetera. Is that was such name? a good <laughs> show. It's directed <laughs> by Lynn. So I had that moment of going, I said to my personal trainer, am I going to be, not that I'm saying my show's going to be Rent, but I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to be like Jonathan Larson? Am I going to just drop dead? And he went, what did you drink yesterday? And I'd been – I have to write a lot of copy as well as, you know, you have to write the official play text. And, and so I was at the desk while in the rehearsal room all day working on the play and then also writing through coffee breaks and stuff. And I said, actually, my water bottle ran out of water in the morning and I didn't have time to fill it up. Now, of course I did. Of course I had time to fill it up. I just went – that's a thing. I, I didn't ask a stage manager or anyone else to help – So I said, I didn't really drink much yesterday except coffee. And he went, and that'll be it. And he said, you cannot do personal training today with a knife going through your head. You have to go back to bed. And I did go back to bed and I finished the play text in bed. So I was thrilled. But also, I don't think that's what he meant. Um, (laughs) And so last night came after the rehearsal day. I did the Guilty Feminist here. And I uh, went across the road afterwards to get something to eat and drink with the guest. Um, And which I thought was self-care, you know, like I needed to like just have a break and, you know. And I was talking to her and her face started turning into a cartoon face. And I was like, oh, I'm hallucinating. I think I have to go home. And I went home and slept. And I just went, you're clearly maxing out now. You have to see the signs in your body. And the way that I'm putting it to myself is sometimes we go out to the, you know, House of Parliament, Trafalgar Square, wherever, and we hold up signs to the government saying this immigration bill is disgusting or, you know, you are, you know, repeal the eighth or, you know, we, we take our signs and we protest and sometimes I'm starting to understand my body is holding up a sign and I am, in this case, the government. And the sign is saying I'm – the stabbing pain is a sign, the hallucination is a sign, and it's yeah. saying, please, the government, yeah, could you have a fucking glass of water yeah. or lie down yeah. and – you have to listen. You have to listen to the sign. Yeah. So what I've done is come out to do another show because I didn't want to cancel. But I'm fine. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But this, this, I wanted to talk about it because I don't, I worry we're getting unbalanced or it, maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's, there's there's a pace of life now. There's a responsibility to the wider world. There's a responsibility to your personal life. And how do we balance it? Because I am doing a terrible job at the moment, like a terrible, terrible job. Esther, you've got children and a big. (laughs) How do we do it, Ria? Ria, You're so smart. You're so clever. Everything you say sounds so clever. Can you give us some advice on how we balance?
1: How do we be people? How do we oh okay. Um, I genuinely you have to put yourself first. Like put I just read it today on I was scrolling and I read it today. You have to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help anybody else. So that's that's number one. And one of the things that my mother said to me, you know, she she had me and my sister, I have three kids, is she said it is our responsibility as higher intelligent beings to make people and raise them to be, you know good contributors to society. And you can't do that if you yourself are, are not in the best of health. So you have to put yourself first. Um, and sometimes you have to recognize that when you're feeling stressed about something, like sometimes when I am feeling stressed, I do have to go through the recycling because that's like the small thing that I can do to make sure that all of my waste that week actually does get recycled because I don't know if you know this but if it's dirty they chuck it in with all the rest of the rubbish and they don't recycle it or if you put something in there that doesn't belong in there they go eh, the whole bag's tainted and they chuck it so it's even small things like that where you just go what little thing can I do and it's little things like you know whenever um there were times as a gig as you know in the gig economy where I couldn't get a Gig, or I was like, I don't know how to pay my rent next month. I don't have enough money coming in, especially around the time of the pandemic. What could I do? Well, the only thing I could do was work on the business itself and go, right, I'm going to write some jokes, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work on a website, or I'm going to, you know, put content out, or just find those little other things that you can do because that is the best way to like resolve your panic. That and okay, going back to the science, I found out that if you do wall squats and planks, that is the best way to lower your blood pressure, not to. Um, Drugs are out there. Those are the two best things. Tell your, tell your parents. Tell your parents. Planks and wall squats are the best way to lower What's your blood pressure. What's a wall have, squat? You, I don't even know what that is. Is it a wall? Well, I have I, never done one because no, I don't know what said, it is. She no, said, "Tell of, your a parents." You lean against the wall, like you know, yeah, it's, okay, and okay, you squat low, down. That's down. not a wall, but you know, it's a wall. And then you just do this, and that is the best way to lower your blood pressure. So if you're getting high blood pressure or you're feeling, and I've done it and it works. There are times like before a show where I'm totally freaking out, and there's too much on my plate, and I've got all my kids are WhatsApping me because. That's how your parent now is, is on WhatsApp. Once your kids get older, it's just WhatsApp. I haven't talked to them in months. Um, you know, I call them down to dinner on the WhatsApp group. Anyway, so you just just do a plank. Honestly, just get a, do a plank for a minute, and it's amazing. It just redistributes all the, you know, okay, pressure, You, you may have
0: just saved my life. If I survive this year, it's because Ria Lina taught me the plank. patented wall plank squat. <laughs> You could um, plank the wall. It's I'm, not as hard, but... I'm, I'm planking that wall, baby. I'm planking that wall. <laughs> All of your faces currently look like human faces, so I'm winning. Now, seriously, it was quite scary. Um, and we have to wrap up, because Esther has to go and do another show... But I hope that somewhere in this conversation you have learned something. I've learned so much tonight. I've learned more than I normally do. We're getting smaller.
2: That's still messing with my head. Where's the only thing I'm taking from this.
1: The fact is, your kids might never be taller than you. Do you know how much domination you have? My kids are giant now. They're ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mine are all bigger than me as well. But then I married a a tree. So um, I then divorced the tree. Uh, I mean,. Get this. I'm a feminist, but I still live with my ex husband because there's just shit around the house I don't want to deal with. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Wow. Do you live with your ex husband?
1: Yeah. And she says that that he can put up
0: pictures and put up tents.
1: Just he does. You know he does. Like normally he does the recycling and all that. You know I just the you know there's stuff in the back courtyard. He I just go where is it? He'll go into the back and dig it out and I'll rinse it off. Do you, you know, he, just, he there's just stuff that he does that I, I think about it. I was just like oh I'd like to live on my own and then I think about all the stuff that he actually does that I don't want to deal with no and more I'm like, camping yeah, holidays yeah. for you if you uh... oh we never we, we don't go camping lucky bitch <laughs> we don't we don't that's <laughs> because right. we don't love each
0: other that was your mistake <laughs> I need to do the closing titles firstly Esther have you got anything to plug anything we should yeah, follow can you come uh,
2: upstairs and come to my show please <coughs> okay. So it's what's called, your show? It's at nine o'clock. It's called Hell Hath No Fury, and it's just an hour of rage. Okay, great. If
0: you'd like an hour of rage, go and grab a, a drink in the bar and then go upstairs to see Estebanito.
1: Um, and we can also follow you on socials. Uh, Rialina? Uh, I'm on tour this autumn, September to November, first leg. Uh, it's called Reawakening. Nice. Um, thank you. Uh, and it's, it's about a lot of feminism stuff. So if you're into this, you're probably into my thing.
0: I think everyone listening to this is going to come to reawakening because we've learnt you're like a like a human wikipedia don't you think (sighs) yeah yeah it's it's insane it's insane it's insane. i also do very much want to see your show though as well because (laughs) i also love
2: blind rage
0: now uh cns
2: expert having a meltdown
0: and if you've got access to bbc sounds if you're in britain you've got access to bbc sounds could you please go online and listen to united nations of news because it will help uh, us get more episodes of it which is what we want and maybe even tweet and say oh BBC could you please give us BBC Radio 4 could you post. please give us some more episodes what do you want post post
1: post post yeah. about it yeah you can't tweet about it anymore why because he he got rid of he called he calls the x now you have to post oh no one listens and to you can't
0: and, and, <laughs> I know he's tweeting come on don't 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 start saying x or he's
1: one I'm, I'm not saying X. I'm not saying X. And I'm not saying, I, I think it we just You need, know, it might not exist by the time this goes out. Because he's about to get rid of the block button. And if he gets rid of the block button, it won't qualify for Apple and Android um, oh, marketplaces. Really? So he God, might you, know so like, <laughs> <laughs> you know so much. You know everything. I said, there I don't spend tonight. time with my kids. And this is how you spend too much time with your kids. If you scrolled more, you'd know more. <laughs> All this Honestly, parenting and camping crap. Honestly, oh, I'm, no. what's
0: that? I'm. I may buy it and call it I'm 13. <laughs> I have a whip round um, listen can you please try I'm 13 if it happens and then just could you email me guiltyfemes at gmail.com you have no idea at the pleasure I got of uh, someone or slide into our DMs on socials either of those so the pleasure I got at finding out uh, that a man had run or do so the opposite like if
2: someone's got a baby and people are like oh your baby's so cute she's 13 <laughs> that's that's just fuck with them I mean yeah it's so funny
0: you have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me and Francis White, guest co-host sister and very special guest Rialina the recording engineer was grunted listening for music was by Mark Hodge the producer was Tom Solisky for the Spontaneity Shop thanks to Rachel Kroff and Gina DiCio Zain Muhammad, Mohammed and everyone at So Theatre as well as all of you for listening for more information about this and other episodes visit guiltyfeminist.com thank you so much. Everybody, you've been one of the finest audiences of your generation. Yeah. What the circles? <laughs> I was wanking two clips. <laughs> this is Esther's first time co hosting. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you literally said the words wanking and clits. <laughs> I think in, I think I, Is, is that not f- feminism? Is that not what it is? I think <laughs> in, I think either of those words in a sentence is fine. Fine. I think you've over the pudding, <laughs> so to speak, which is my innuendo for wanking and clits. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.